I try not to overtax my day. I try not to put too many things on my to-do list. I work very hard to look at my day now and go, you know what? You got a lot done. Find a way to just be okay with that and just stop working, sit down and relax. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. You know, those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with, or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. So today, my guest is Kevin. Kevin, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? My secret is the fact that I have had my entire, well, as far back as I can remember, I have had a severe perfectionism complex. Severe. Oh, oh my God. Okay. I'm so excited because I feel like I'm a recovering perfectionist sometimes. So when was this secret created? Do you remember how far back? Well, I, you know, if it's not an incident in our lives, I, I think that the kind of thing that I'm discussing obviously comes from wiring. And I was a psychology double major. So this clearly occurred in my childhood. Uh, and it is directly related. I grew up in a one parent home. I didn't have a father. I had a sister and my mother was gone a lot. But, um, you know, my mother is kind of a malignant narcissist. What what is a malignant narcissist? Can you explain that to the listeners? Somebody basically who uh, no matter what the situation is, it is always about them. No matter what it's, who else it's happening to, you could be telling someone a story about you almost dying and they would find a way to make the conversation about themselves and have that almost happen to them once. Uh, and also one of the things about a malignant narcissist is um, I've actually never heard in my entire life my mother ever say I'm sorry or I'm wrong. I Things are like running so true for me. I've also experienced someone in my life like that where I could literally say the sky is blue and they would go to their grave saying the sky was green. Like you could not get them to admit they are wrong. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And, and again, sometimes it sounds extraordinarily malicious or it sounds um, that, that there, this is something that happens very unconsciously. This is a set of wiring. And it took me to my early thirties to start really realizing that because of that, that I had adopted not only a perfectionism complex to the degree that it really was um, disabling my life in certain ways, even though I was highly productive. Uh, certainly your, your, your husband would attest to that and how productive <laughs> I was with this complex, but also that you, you don't come to the realization of how much you are beginning to adopt those traits. And when it came clear to me, I was like, oh, oh no, this is not good. Like your traits of being a perfectionist almost made you become a narcissist? Is that what you're saying? Um, it, you, you, you begin to, because you work so hard to be perfect, it can appear to others that you think you are. 
Wow. Okay. So your mother, you think because your mother was like that and this, these wirings started happening. What do you remember when you recall back moments where you were, you were kind of different? Well, ironically, you know, the, the irony in what I just said, and the fact that I'm sitting here with you, Brandon, which is one of the reasons why I reached out to you is I began to become very, you know, cognitive of this literally around the time I met your husband. This is, this goes back to me at a time right around that same year, year and a half. And what I realized was that that you, I was not trying to become the jack of all trades and the master of none, despite the fact that I chose, first of all, golf early on in terms of a career and then this in the performer profession. But I realized that it was causing me to believe that I had to, I was required to learn everything and do everything that touched my life. And when you really stop and sit back about the macro of that, that I don't, I haven't slept well for 30 some years. Um, and you wind up just spending a lot of energy and, and a lot of time doing things that that are not really actually ultimately towards the goal of, of how of where you want to go in your life, but also just the day to day process of your life. It, may, it makes it very difficult to be at rest or at peace. Yes, I, as a perfectionist, not as bad, but. I just felt, always felt like it, nothing was ever good enough. And Absolutely. once and once I reached a peak, there was always another peak right after it. Once I was in the ideal job, I would be like, where's my next job? You know, it, or and I also had the sense that I want to ask you, do you have that thing where if you don't know, you can never say I don't know? Oh, no, I don't have that. There's two. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I don't have. Fortunately, I'm I'm a Pisces enough and an artist enough and sensitive enough. That I don't have that issue. I don't. There are some male traits that I don't carry that way. Like I don't have a problem with asking directions. Some of those jokes about our gender. <laughs> it's, it's never been about those things. It's always been about trying to do in my life or something that's expected of me. And so it took like the little things that started to occur was I simply finally got to the place in my life where I didn't have time to fix my own car, even though I knew how. So, so life sort of forced me to break away from some of these things. I finally woke up one day and realized it's okay to actually pay someone to clean your house. Like these are things that where I was supposed to do everything and have to know everything. Uh, the Excel, the Excel software was one of the things that these are silly, but these are things that helped break me of this was I was like, I am not learning this damn program. I have learned <laughs> enough crap in my life. I, I Excel's great. I, I am not learning it. And so I'll find somebody else who knows how to use it. I'm not doing it. So, but it's been a very slow process over the course of the last couple of decades. And sometimes through relationships and, and breakups and, and burying people, uh, you know, life is short. It's not a matter of just making things simple, but the bottom line is you don't have to be an expert and you don't have to know everything. So the irony is I have no problem saying what I don't know. Well, good for you. I had to work on that one for me, but let's go back. I do want to hit the, so your mom and other moments growing up that you knew you had this like thing that was weighing on your shoulders, this secret of like, even if you didn't have the words for it, that you were a perfectionist. Yeah, it was the same. It was the same for my sister. I'll, I'll, again, it just comes from criticism. Um, again, mm. being applauded or being patted on the back, I've, I've, I've been, I've admired and, and been so overwhelmed with some of the people in my life that I've met when I've met their parents and realized what kind of upbringing. And I've said more than once, I have no idea what that looks like in my household. Because basically the only thing that really existed in my household beyond the age of 10 was just what we did wrong and what oh. wasn't good enough and what wasn't right. My sister has the same issue. We have very different personalities, Brianne, 
but same problem. She was two and a half years older. She was in charge of the house. I mean, basically between 12 and 10 years old, we kind of raised ourselves and my sister would do all the stuff she thought she was supposed to do. And when my mother got home, she would just criticize it all. And so all you're doing, and my mother was very successful. My mother was a country singer and had perfect pitch and was a talented person and all that. And so you're, you, you never, you never managed it. My sister even made the statement when she goes, our mother didn't have kids to have kids. She had kids to have soldiers mm. to work for her. So that, you know, again, I want to be careful because it's not, I'm not saying this to you because of a violin. This is just something that, that you don't, the reason why it was a secret for me is because I was not conscious of it for a long, long time as to how severe it was and what it was doing to me. No, I get it. I, my mother was a workaholic and her job was the most important. And she said, she had this moment later in life where she said, I didn't know how to be a mother. When I had a kid, I didn't know how to be a mother. And it, and it made me understand why I did the things I did because I didn't have a mother that knew how to be a mother. Uh, that- my mom is 80 years old. I wish she would have ever had that much humility. My mother thinks she did a great job and was perfect. And we all kind of go to the place where she did the best she could. That's the macro of what you do. But if you interviewed her mom, she would tell you all the stories about how brilliant she was. Yeah, that has to be kind of heartbreaking a little bit. Because I have to tell you the moment my mother said that to me, all the resentment, all the anger, everything I was carrying kind of just lifted. You just really want your parents to be like, I did the best I can. I wasn't great. Just acknowledgement. So I can't imagine not having that acknowledgement because it's healed me so much. No, never had that. Nor is my sister. I mean, you too. Uh, my mother was simply, she is simply not capable of it. That's why I, she, she, my mother has a certain, she would, if you talk to her, you think she would very sweet and all that. And I'm not saying she isn't, but she, when it comes to any form of her being wrong or off, she will never let that down. She would never, ever admit to having made any mistake like that ever. So how, what was the moment when you hit your bottom and you realized you were holding this perfectionist secret from yourself and the world? Uh, one of the, one of the things that was one of the key things was when the, the first friend that I made in Los Angeles happened to be a day apart from me. We were both Pisces and he, um, died, uh, very early at 41 years old and I was carrying his casket and, uh, in 2003 and, and I, I remember it was surreal to me cause I could not believe that he was gone. And that was in between that moment happened. Uh, in between the first woman that I fell in love with and then the second woman that I fell in love with, um, neither of whom I'm with anymore. Clearly, the first and the second I'm not. Uh, <laughs> and and again, you start to get into a certain age and, and all of a sudden people of a certain age really start passing a lot and you start looking at your mortality. And and I'm the kind of guy, I'm a, you know, I'm a hard worker and I'm the kind of person who would then go, okay, you you have to actively do something about this right now actively do something. And over the course of the next decade, I, I worked very hard at it and I'm still hard on myself. I'm, this is no different than being an an addict or being, you know, the first thing you say is, hi, my name's Bill W and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name's Kevin. And I'm, I have a perfectionism complex. It's just a matter of whether or not you can find a way in your life to be metaphorically clean and sober. Mm. And, and that's, that's, and, and I think on some levels, Brianne, I will, I will always be working for that because I, I don't hear applause. I don't hear compliments. Um, none of those things. Sam, I'm going to have to be careful. I'll start crying. It's okay. Um, uh, it, it's um, been a long life trying to find a way to have that stuff sink in. 
I, I, when you say it's like an addiction of the mind, that's what it sounds like to me. Like you, the voices inside your head never give you peace and serenity. Correct. Yeah. And I feel like most addicts that put something on top of it are usually perfectionist or fear of abandonment or, you know, they carry that same thing inside of them where that voice just tells you you're never good enough. Oh, I would have had every propensity in my life that if I had gone down the road of any form of those addictions, uh, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. I don't have those issues, but I've obviously known a ton of people who do. And if I had gone down that road, I'm, I'm, I'm probably pretty sure I probably wouldn't have survived it. But you did say you were a very hard worker. Do you think you put work like, could you be a workaholic on top of the perfectionist? Because usually something's on top of it. Um, are... Times a thousand. Okay. Ask her, ask, her husband, ask her husband when he met me uh, <laughs> because of how he met me and what I was doing at the time and, and the organization that I founded and created. Yeah, I worked 85 hours a week and I don't sleep. And so, yes, that's, that's, that's a, that's for me, that was a given. It was one of the ways that it came out was that, but also being very creative, I have a zillion ideas and it's being able to find a way to, you can't make all of them happen at once perfectly. You can't write a thousand books at once. You can't, you know, I was a stand-up comic. I was an improv artist. I did all those things along with having a long television career. But nonetheless, again, still in ways, and you know this well, Brianne, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. You know? So that's, that's the result of it. So your friend died. And then you made this change. How did you make that change? How did you step into this? Okay, something in my life needs to shift. The first thing that I had to do was I had to find, I had to pick out the moments in life when I finally started asking for help. And I'm talking about, again, that's why I made the Excel spreadsheet joke. Because because you talk about something that's as deep and as heavy as this and you bring it down to a piece of software. It's like, yeah. That was, that's an actual, that's literally like putting the beer down, putting the drink down. But it's like, no, I am not going to spend an ounce of my life's time learning this damn software. I will get somebody else to do it for me. Um, it's asking for help. It, it's all, it, for me, that's what it was. I had to start saying no to the things that I had, either the skill set or the ability to learn and do and go, no. This is something that my time is is not more valuable, but my time is better spent on the things I'm trying to accomplish. And how was saying no or how was picking up that first call and saying, I need help. Can you do this for me? How what was that moment inside? Brutally difficult. (laughs) And unfortunately, on top of that, Brianne, I I did actually accept some help in one scenario in my life. And uh, to this day, it is one of the regrets in life that I have because had I not asked for the help and accepted the help, I wouldn't have lost a million three. And so, so that kind of, that kind of crosses the thing of like, see, I went and asked somebody for help and it made me make a poor decision that if I hadn't looked for his help, I would never have made that choice and that investment and I wouldn't have lost that money. So it makes you say to yourself, see, you shouldn't be asking for help. But even though that was a bad mistake on my part, I have not let that keep me from continuing down the journey of when it makes sense I need somebody else to do this for me. I need to not go do this myself. That has to be so hard, though, if you feel like that was a mistake and then having to retrain your brain and go, no, that was God's plan. That was meant to happen. I still have to be saying no. I still have to be asking for help. Yeah, because I did. And exactly to your point, what I did do was I said, 
Now, how could you have altered even getting yourself in this situation? And the answer was, Kevin, you're smart enough and you could have done a little bit more research and you wouldn't have asked for help. You would have just skipped the entire subject. And so that's mm. taking responsibility for something without uh, without putting, because this was not a perfectionism scenario. This was a choice in life. This was a decision. And if I'd done a little bit more research, I probably would have not even gone down the road of putting myself in the position of asking for help. But I mostly do it, Brianne, honestly, every day now. I do it in all sorts of small ways. I try not to overtax my day. I try not to put too many things on my to-do list. I work very hard to look at my day now and go, you know what? You got a lot done. Find a way to just be okay with that and just stop working, sit down and relax. I mean, that's Do you have a time where you turn off your electronics? Are you one of, are you trying to do that? No, I, I do it more by my soul and by my energy is I've always managed to just get to the place where I'm tired, but I keep going. And now I don't. Mm. Now I go for a hike or I go walk around this, in these you know situations, I go walk around the neighborhood. I just stop. And I couldn't, I couldn't do that for three decades. Wow. Okay. Well, let's hit those deadly seven sins. I know you have a book about them for actors, which is just hilarious. It is hilarious. <laughs> when you sent it to me, I was like, oh, that's so funny. So I like to look at them and not in the religious sense, which you do too. We talked about, I like to look at them as the character defects that all humans have. So which of these are connected to your secret of perfectionism? We have pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Well, uh, I, you know, it's easy for us to say that all of them do, but I can easily set aside sloth because I've never been that. Uh, and I will set aside lust, even though I'm a guy, just in the sense that perfectionism doesn't apply to that as much. But I, I certainly think the, the, the three that have been the most dangerous for me uh, are easily envy, wrath and pride because mm. it's the pride of being perfect. It's the self anger at not. And it's also always looking to someone else. And again, in multiple areas, not just one, it's not like, oh, that actor or, oh, this. It's in every single thing I've touched in my life, looking at somebody else and going, see, that person's there. And that, I mean, it's like literally picking out, you know, 12 professions and going, see, I'm not in the top 1% in 12 different careers at the same time. I so, have that too. It's, I call it the compare and despair. Like it's, yeah. it just eats me up. I had to get off social media for the longest time for a year because I was always, no matter what I was doing and how great my life was, as soon as I got on social media, I just got in a bad mood because yeah. somebody's filter looked so pretty on their life. And I was like, Oh, we don't have that, you know, and it's like <laughs> this terrible thing that we do to ourselves. So I get that. Yes. So that those three, I mean, you know, certainly, yes, um, I, I have been gluttonous about trying to do too much. Certainly, I have been I have been greedy about trying to be too perfect uh, and I have lusted for perfectionism. But certainly in my case, in terms of what I recognize it was doing to me as a human being uh, much more. I mean, pride certainly is the biggest one, but but, um, you know, wrath and envy. Uh, because I'm, I was a comic and I'm funny, but I also, people who know me, they call me intense and people that know me call me edgy. And that's where some of that, uh, just ask your husband. Uh, <laughs> and so that's where, that's where some of that plays out through the perfectionism complex. So who do you think this secret helped and who do you think it harmed? You mean in my outside world, mm -hmm. besides harming myself and, 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 uh, well, I certainly think it helped. Um, I think it, uh, certainly my perfectionism complex helped your husband. Uh, nah. my, work, my workaholic aspect uh, for the for what he was a part of certainly 
helped make that entity what it was. Uh, and certainly in some ways, I'm sure it probably, it probably has harmed more. I, I, it's hard to say my relationships because I was very careful about the type of people that I would naturally fall in love with. They were tough, strong ladies. So uh, I, I can't say that it harmed that, but I will say this, and maybe this is what I should say. You know what it harmed? Wow. I, I know I knew this, but I didn't realize this was going to come out, Brianne. You know what it harmed? It kept me from, it kept me from being a father. I was afraid I'd fail. Yeah, I can. I didn't want to be a mother because I had that feeling too. Like I wasn't built to be a mother. I was afraid I would make another person like me, Mm. so I didn't become a father. I do have a relationship with with the kid that I call my pseudo stepson. Would be my my last relationship son. So I'm not his natural father or or technically his stepfather. But um, I raised him from six to fourteen, and when we broke up. Uh, he chose to stay in touch. He's 20 now. He's almost 21. And uh, he chose to to continue a relationship with me. But what it did to me in my late 20s was it kept me from choosing to be a father. Wow. So that's what it probably hurt the most. It's, I'm like about to cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Usually I've called it together. But to like look at that and realize, wow, a whole part of your life went unlived because of this perfectionism. Yep. So how do you move forward in the future? Well, I move, I've been, have moved every single day. I mean, I, from the time that I, uh, again, a lot of references to Mark. I mean, he knows me well. Uh, I, 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 I played third base in baseball. I mean, I'm not going to back down from something that's difficult. And so I, I, you know, it, this is, that's why I use the addiction reference because 12 step program applies to a lot of things. And uh, while I don't need a sponsor for this, you know, the little guy pops up on your shoulder and that's my sponsor to constantly remind. I'm good at it now. I'm good at catching myself at the point of like, oh, nope, nope. That's it. Just stop right here. That's far enough. We're done. Or oh, nope. Mm-mm. Don't do that. If you're not going to get somebody to assist you doing that, like I'm, but it, but it doesn't go away. You know, it's, it's almost like the, it's just metaphorically almost like reaching for the bottle or reaching for whatever. Like I, I still have to slap my own hand probably 10, depending on the day, probably 10 to 50 times a day. I have to stop myself from, and we're just talking about saving small increments of time, Brianne. We're not talking about, you know, huge life decisions. I'm just saying to be happier, to be more, to have more inner peace, to take the time to go take a hike. We're talking about simple stuff, but yeah, but that sometimes that simple stuff is the hardest thing to switch. Like hundred percent, put the computer down and walk outside. Like sometimes you're like, I just want to finish it. I just want to get this done. And it's like, no, you're at the point, walk away, go enjoy your life. The life is not on the computer screen. Yeah. Or, or whatever it may be. And so, so for me, uh, I, I have been working on it for so long, like I said, conscious of this for a couple of a little over a couple of decades now, my, you know, going back to 30 ish. Um, and the bottom line is, is that it's just one of those things now where it is because the, the challenge is probably not ever going to completely go away. So the, so the habit of now catching myself and staying aware of myself, uh, and being good to myself or more kind to myself, that has become a habit. And so I catch myself faster. Mm. And one last question before we go, what would you tell someone, especially a younger, let's say in their early twenties, what would you tell yourself or somebody else that has this behavior, has this perfectionism? 
It doesn't have to be a love interest, but try to find, and I wouldn't say a lot, I don't want to make it generic, um, either find the one sibling if it exists and or find one or two friends that in a very, very healthy way can always remind you how terrific you are and and also um, in a healthy way, not just a pandering way. Uh, and also that they that they are there to make sure that that they remind you you don't have to be perfect to be outstanding. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your secret and your story today. You're very welcome. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you.